0: a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. This is Season 12, Episode 8. And I call this episode, Is Your Faulty Thinking Leading to Depression? Question mark. You know, it's hard enough to having an addict or alcoholic in your family, even if you've been attending Al-Anon meetings, to help you liberate yourself from the worst effects of this disease. What happens to those of us who have to deal with the unpleasant reality of having addiction living in our family, whether the addict or alcoholic is living under the same roof or not, is that our self-esteem takes a big hit. We blame ourselves for being the cause of the disease, if we even acknowledge it as a disease at this point. We despair when we find we cannot control it, and we dream of a cure. We also succumb to faulty thinking that could lead us down the path toward a clinical depression, and believe me, that is a dark place to live. I've been there, it lasted about six months, and I plan to never go back there again. So let's examine the different ways that we talk to ourselves. This will give us some insight insight that we might need to get us from negative thinking to realistic thinking. This isn't an attempt to change our thinking to happy talk or to thinking positive, both of which are not going to get us really anywhere, as they deny the reality of our situation. In an important book called Feeling Good, authored by Dr. David Burns, he introduced the concept of cognitive therapy way back in 1980 to help understand and treat depression without the use of medication. And his findings now shape virtually all of the cognitive approaches and therapies of all types today. Much of of what I state here today is sourced from the good doctor's work and his insights. There's a powerful principle at the heart of cognitive therapy. And that is that your thoughts have much more to do with how you feel than what is actually happening in your life. Keep that in mind as we discuss better ways of thinking that could lift your gloomy outlook so that you'll be able to see the truth and sunlight at long last. The idea that how you think is at the heart of how you feel is not a new idea at all. In the Old Testament, there is this passage, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Or go forward a couple of thousand years, and you can read in Hamlet... For there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Thank you, William Shakespeare. When we tend to blame our situation for how we feel, this has the tendency to make us victims. Because, as Dr. Byrne says, we think the causes result from something beyond our control, when in fact there is a lot you can do right now that is within your control. And that is, you can learn to change the way you think about things, and you can also change your basic values and beliefs. Contrary to the beliefs of psychiatry, which hold that depression is an emotional disorder, the research Dr. Burns undertook reveals that depression is not an emotional disorder in the very least. It is caused by a cognitive uh, thinking disorder. He says that every bad feeling we have is a result of our distorted negative thinking. Illogical, pessimistic attitudes play the central role in the development and continuation of all our symptoms. Illogical. Here's the perspective that an accomplished young woman expressed one time. Every time I become depressed, I feel as if I've been hit with a sudden cosmic jolt and I begin to actually see things differently. The change can come within less than an hour. My thoughts become negative and pessimistic. As I look into the past, I become convinced that everything I've ever done is worthless. Any happy period seems like an illusion. I become convinced the real me is worthless and inadequate. I cannot move forward with my work because I've become frozen with doubt. But I can't stand still because the misery is unbearable. I know exactly how she feels. It's hard enough dealing with the chaos that surrounds a home with addiction at its center because the addiction takes over and it sucks up all the good oxygen. There seems little room for those of us who feel responsible for the welfare of everyone in the home except that we leave our own welfare out of it. And because we feel hopeless, we become depressed. According to Dr. Burns, ultimately, in the care of a counselor trained in cognitive therapy and addiction, you will learn that your negative thoughts are the actual cause of your self-defeating emotions. Imagine that. These thoughts, this way of thinking, is what keeps you lethargic and makes you feel inadequate. Your negative thoughts, or cognitions, are the most frequently overlooked symptoms of your depression, but they also contain the key to relief and are therefore your most important symptoms. Let's review the list of symptoms that characterize the faulty thinking that leads to the experience of depression. Dr. Burns calls these definitions of cognitive disorder, or what I call faulty thinking. See if you show signs of this kind of thinking, recognizing now that when you indulge in that kind of thought process, it is not doing you any good, and there is a way out. And we're all susceptible to some form of faulty thinking. Let's start with number one, all-or-nothing thinking. This refers to the tendency to evaluate your personal qualities in extreme black or white categories. That's the basis of perfectionism. It has you fear any mistake because you will see yourself as a loser. But it's also a source of procrastination. In other words, if I can't do it perfectly, why do it at all? When you see life only in black and white terms, there is little room for the reality of accepting various shades of gray, which is the space where most of our lives play out. Not in shades of gray exactly, more like a full rainbow of colors. Number two, overgeneralization. Amped up pain of rejection is generated almost entirely from overgeneralization. A personal affront to most of us is temporarily disappointing, but cannot be seriously disturbing. If your thinking is normal. If your thinking is rational. But let's say if a young man with a cognitive disorder gets turned down when asking for a date, it leads him to believe that he will always get turned down because all women are exactly alike and therefore will always turn him down. Overgeneralization. Three, mental filter. This one's fairly easy to understand as we all have this aspect of perception from time to time. When you're depressed, you wear a special pair of eyeglasses that filter out anything positive. Dr. Burns calls this selective abstraction. It's simply a bad habit that can cause you needless anguish because it invariably presents a warped view of the world. Number four, disqualifying the positive. This is one of the most destructive forms of cognitive distortion, distortion, and it is common in addictive families whose head, of of household, usually mother, suffers from one of the most painful effects of addiction, and that's devastated self-esteem. This trait arises from the belief that you are second-rate, not deserving of success, and if a bad thing happens to you, it only proves what I've, quote, known all along. Or if something good happens to you, it was a fluke, it'll never happen again. You belittle compliments, believing them to be insincere. We're all prone to filter out some good things from time to time that is very different from behavior that consistently discounts, disqualifies, even trashes the positive things in life. These negative types of responses to life remove its richness and makes things appear needlessly bleak. Number five, jumping to conclusions. Well, we all do that, but it doesn't describe how most of us think most of of the time. This type of thinking makes you arbitrarily jump to a conclusion that is simply not justified by the facts of the situation. Here's an example. An example is mind reading where you make the assumption that people are looking down on you when there is zero evidence to support it. Another example is the idea that you can predict the future in a negative way, as in I'll always be depressed and dysfunctional, so I'm leaving my career. Example of bad decision based on faulty thinking. Number six is what I call the binocular effect. This isn't really funny, but in a way, it's funny. This is when you magnify the bad stuff or what you think is horrible when it might just be an irritation, and then you turn the binoculars around and you can barely see the good things in life and/or about yourself. A small error becomes a raging blaze in the binoculars, while a blessing rates just a shrug if you turn the binoculars around. Number seven: emotional reasoning. It is important for depressed people to understand that feelings are not facts. There's a long list of things that qualify here. Examine the truth of assumptions like, I feel like a dud, therefore I am a dud. Or, I'll never get this done because I'm depressed and I'll stay depressed. Try action first as an antidote to the feeling. Get up and clean the room and you'll feel better. Don't use your depression as an excuse not to clean the room. Example. Number eight, should statements. The emotional consequence of should and shouldn't is guilt. When you direct should statements to others, you feel anger, frustration, and resentment. Number nine, labeling and mislabeling. Instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself, like I'm a loser. Turn it around and when another person's behavior rubs you the wrong way, he's such a jerk. Number ten, personalization. You see yourself as the cause of some negative external event which, in fact, you're not primarily responsible for. This is very common among caregivers of addicts and alcoholics and other codependents. What have we learned from this discussion of cognitive disorder, also known as erroneous thinking? I must add that much of our reporting is sourced from Dr. David Burns, who published Feeling Good in 1980 and whose research and ideas spawned the entire field of cognitive therapy now used extensively in drug and alcohol treatment programs, as well as well as in other types of therapies. Number one, Dr. Burns' research proves that how you feel is shaped much more by how you think than it is by your circumstances. Number two, what this says is that caregivers need to examine the faulty thinking, examples listed above, that could result in depression or prolong or deepen it, as life is already a challenge. Number three, it is important that as a caregiver you take a close look at the illogical pessimistic attitudes that shape your own view of life and if left unchallenged will result in further damage to your self-esteem and to your relationships. Number four, the best place to start your change for the better, that is developing a more realistic and positive attitude, is to engage a cognitive treatment therapist who is also an addiction specialist. That therapist must be qualified in both disciplines, and today any AODA alcohol or drug addiction specialist is likely to have experience and training in both. There is hope. Our podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.